This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So I was born a poor black child. I don't mean, uh, I don't mean like, like those dudes you meet in L.A. I'm talking about the dudes you meet in, uh, in Ethiopia, you know, with the swollen skull and the distended belly and the flies everywhere. Because I had a Torah hard drive, because I'm born a Jew. I had a Torah hard drive, but the only software I was given was like MTV and McDonald's and stuff like that. Not that my father didn't make Kiddush Friday night, not that we weren't in synagogue, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. That stuff was amazing. But I got a Torah hard drive. And a Torah hard drive requires Torah software. And so there I was in that situation, and I always felt like, you know, something was missing. An incredible feeling like there's got to be something much more meaningful in life. And never knowing what that meaningful thing was. I was living in Brentwood. If any of you know Brentwood area. And, uh, you know, I was kind of looking for, I was kind of looking for real answers in the wrong neighborhood. And so it was kind of rough. It was kind of like a Lamborghini in traffic. We're having a terabyte of hard, terabyte of hard drive and you got only calculator to run and it was like a frustrating experience and so the way I dealt with all that frustration was surfing is that I rode the waves all the time and actually today we, we ate in the Oxnard in the Herzog Winery anyone been to the Herzog Winery? whoa killer steak and so we drove up the coast I got to see all my old surf spots which was really cool and uh, what I want to share with y'all, just something, oh yeah, just that I, I grew up, uh, my be- I always loved teaching Persians because my best friend was one of the first Persian Jews in Los Angeles. And it was amazing, meaning I was at Sinai Temple when there were no Persians there. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Can you imagine that? And the only Persian kid is in my class, 11 years old, with a full beard. <laughs> And, and, of course, I'm like Mr. Cool. <laughs> I got, like, long hair. My hair looked like yours, actually. Like this lady in front. And so, so I'm like Mr. Cool. I'm not talking to, you know, this furry guy. And I'm just going to be like, you know, snobby guy. And, but what happened was, around midway through Hebrew school, like at about an hour and a half in, of these three hours we had to go through every Sunday... So at about midway through was, was exactly the time I go down the stairwell to smoke a joint. And so I head down to the bottom of the stairwell, and guess who's down there? There he is. Doing the same thing. We were best friends instantly, and we stayed together, not only from those years, but we stayed together all through, until today, actually. But we stayed together, like, almost sleeping over. Either he was in my house, I was at his house, Every single day till we graduated UCSB, 23 years old, and stayed roommates the whole way through. Even transferred to Pali to go to school with me. And we, we became like brothers and remained brothers. So that's why it's extra fun for me because I was raised on Tadig. And I know you guys have heard me say this. Some of you heard me say this before, but they're kind of a short Persian family. And I went through puberty when I was like 15. And so when that was, I was like half their size from when I met them and stayed that way until I was 15. And so they would always overfeed me. And they would always say, we will grow you. We will grow you. We will grow you. And I was just like. And, the, and then when I would go to their family events later, because now I'm a head taller than them all, he would elbow her in the ribs and say, we grew him. <laughs> so there is a Persian family in Bel Air who takes full responsibility for my height. <laughs> now, um, today, what I'd like to do with y'all, um, there's a whole front area if anyone wants to come closer because uh, it's available. 
But if anyone wants to grab these seats, they're here. Uh, when I teach Hasidic women in New York, what I do is I make a whole front row, like, really close, and they all start from the second row, and they don't realize it's a trick. And the second, right before the class starts, I remove the whole front row. <laughs> and then I tell everyone, welcome to the front row. <laughs> it's an amazing trick. You should try this. So, okay, here we go. What we're going to do today, because I want you to have, uh, I want everyone to come away. Whenever us rabbis teach, we want you to have a takeaway. Okay, we don't want it to become like vanilla and just blend into everything else you ever learned. And there's one thing that we're all going to do our entire Jewish lives. No matter what, there's one thing we're always going to do. We may not do it every day. We might do it just once a year. You never know when we're going to do it. But, it, but we do it. <laughs> Who's this lady over here? <laughs> Some lady on a flat screen. I don't know, it's like some government agent or something. So, anyway, she's the president of Sinai Temple. Just kidding. So, anyway, so, this thing that I'm about to teach you, you are going to do the rest of your life. Yes, you. You're going to be doing it the rest of your life. You've already done it many times. And you're going to be doing it. You're going to be doing it. You're probably till the day you die, I may have this room till 120. You'll never stop doing it. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying you do it every day, but certainly throughout the year, you do it. And some of you even did it tonight. And this is what it is. Baruch Atah Hashem Elohim Melech Ha'olam You say those six words. I don't know if you said it today. I don't know if you say it on Shabbat. I don't know if you only say it on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, but you say it. And tonight, what we're going to do is a meditation on what those words are all about. And you're going to freak when you hear what they're about because if we told you guys on what they meant, even the word Baruch, I'm not talking about where it says blessed, because we're not doing that. If you know what Baruch was, if anyone knew what Baruch was in this room, I would give you 20 bucks right now on the spot. For what? Just the word Baruch. Atah, 30 bucks. Hashem, 100 bucks. Elokeinu, 200 bucks. Melech, 300 bucks. And did I say 300 bucks? 400 bucks in Haolam. 500 bucks, if anyone can nail those. That's how sure I am about what we're about to do. Now, you guys ready? This is going to be an adventure. Here we go. I'm going to start with this cup of water right now. Oh, no, I already made a breath up. Sorry. Never mind. Here we go. We're starting with Baruch. Now, what I'd like everyone to do for these meditations, we're all going to say Baruch together, but we're going to hold the Ooh. Okay? So let me, expl- let me first give an example. You inhale. Nice yogic meditation here. And then you go, Baruch. Don't forget the Ready? Everyone inhale. South African for good. Okay? Now, I need somewhere to stand. You think this table could support me? I'm going to take this. Uh, it's so symmetrical. Just take a little risk there. But it's so far, so good. So far, so good. Okay, listen. Okay? You see my height up here? Yeah? I'm up here? Watch this. The word Baruch is spelled Bet Resh Chaf, meaning, sorry, that's the root of the word. Bet Resh 
and Chaf. Now, we got to understand that word, Bet Resh Chaf. There's two major words you got to know about. One is the word Berach, which means knees. Okay? Knees are called Berach. Two knees. Anyone know? When you get twos in Hebrew, what does it become? Birkayim. Okay? For some reason, twos in Hebrew get the ayim. You know? Like Echad Shnayim or Shtayim. Yeah? Okay, so two knees, yeah? Is Birkayim. But one knee is Berach. And what is the word Baruch? It means to lower. Watch what happens when I use my Birkayim, my knees. Watch my height. See my height here? Watch this. <laughs> Let's use that as a moment for everyone to turn their ringers on. Just kidding. For everyone to check their phones so that doesn't happen tonight. Okay. We always need one. Just check your phone. Put on that do not disturb little moon. Okay, you ready? Watch my height. Here we go. So, Baruch. Baruch. You don't have to say Baruch. Okay. Now, put my other hand. Now, look up there. Can you guys see my hands up there? Look at the height differential. It went from here, let's say around there, down to here. Meaning, I just lost like, like 20 inches. Just off my knees, going down. You know why? Because... When you say Baruch, you're humble. It's humbling. Think about it. What are you doing? You are recognizing, thanking, sourcing something to God. Whatever it may be. It might be a blessing over the new moon. It might be, meaning you're sourcing this all with God. It might be an apple. You're sourcing it with God. I'm not the source of the apple. And the fact that I'm going Baruch with this thing means that I'm taking myself down. I am the source. There's a famous story of a Hasidic Rebbe who was sitting there with all his Hasidim and he says to them that I've been hearing stories about this miracle maker called the Baal Shem Tov who lives in the Ukraine. And I've just, he was the rabbi of the whole region, this rabbi saying this, and I got to leave and go find out if he's for real. He left to go see if he's for real. He comes back like six months later sits down, all the community comes out because he's returned. A Gentile lady is carrying a tray of fruit into this giant room. <laughs> Meanwhile, the rabbis are asking him, what would you find out by this miracle work of the Baal Shem Tov? And he says to him, I found out that there's a God. <laughs> they all look at him, you're like, you're the rabbi of this region for the last 50 years, like you didn't know there was a God. Now you know. He says, yep, yeah. now I know. And then, the, so the, 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 the servant comes with a tray full of food. The Gentile lady brings it, puts down the tray, and they say to her, tell us, where's this fruit from? She said, well, it's from the kitchen. He said, before the kitchen, where's it from? And she said, well, it's from the market. And before the market, where's it from? And she says, it's from the earth. And before the earth, where's it from? And she looks up, she says, it's from God. And they look back at the Rebbe, and they say to the Rebbe, even the Gentile servant says there's God. And then the rabbi looks at them and says, she says, I know. Now, the knees is a state of humility. It draws you down from being the, you know, big stuff to little stuff. And God's the big stuff right there. Which brings us to the subject of humility. There's two definitions of humility, the Gentile one and the Jewish one. The Gentile definition of humility is I'm nothing. To me, that's spitting at God. Because God created you. And if you're nothing, that means God made nothing. But the Gentile definition of humility is I'm nothing. The definition of humility in the Jewish people is I'm awesome. And he's the source. I'm amazing. And he's why. That's humility. Humility is being your best. And doing your best. And really being awesome. But you're not the source of all that. He's the source. And that's Baruch. Baruch is just, I'm recognizing God as the source. I'm lowering my stature. Now, the other word for Baruch I actually experienced earlier today is the word Brecha. Anyone know what the word Brecha means? It means pool. Historically, it meant reservoir, the source of sustenance. 
Because if you can't store water, then you can't um, deal with produce and agriculture and, and drinking water and animals needing water. Pools, brecha, I want to try the word brecha. Brecha means pool. Today, it's, you know, with our days of leisure in Israel, when you go in a hotel, the bottom button says brecha because you get to go swim. But historically, it's the source of sustenance. So there's two meanings of the word baruch so far. One is knees, lowering, and the other is pool, reservoir, source of sustenance. And so we're calling God the source. He's the source of it all. And that's the ultimate things. Meaning, if Zoe handed me a, if Zoe handed me her phone to borrow, and then I went and thanked and I thanked Ava. So we'd be like, why do I thank Zoe? Because who's the source of the phone? Zoe. <laughs> you ever thought about that? Thanksgiving is, is sourcing. When you're giving thanks, you're sourcing what you got. And, and by the way, what's the word for thanks in Hebrew? Todah. Todah. And what's the word for Jew in Hebrew? Yehudi. It's the same root. We are the recognizers of source. And that's why we're the ones always saying Baruch over everything. Okay, we got Baruch clear? Okay, now, here we go. We're going to say it, and we're going to have in mind, I might speak a little while you're saying it, and we're going to have in mind first lowering and source of all sustenance. Ready? Here we go. Inhale. Baruch. Lowering myself. God's the source of all sustenance. Excellent, excellent. And then we end with that chaf, bawuch. We end with that chaf, and then we begin the word atah. You know, around here, not just here, around anywhere, Jews, they say bracha so quick, they think the word atah begins with a chaf. <coughs> Why? Because they say bruch atah. But there's no chaf in the word atah. It's bawuch atah. Now, I'm not going to go so deep with you guys. Oh, yes, I am. Sorry. I'm not going to go that Kabbalistic with the word atah, but I'd like to share with you two things about atah. So we had two things about Baruch. What were they? Knees and pool. Good. Knees and pool. And now we're going into atah. Atah means what? You. you. And the two things I want to share about that. One is, is what person is that? First person, second person, or third? Second person. Is second person respectful? No. If you're in front of a judge, what do you call him? Your honor. If it's a king, your majesty, your highness. If it's a Rosh Hashiva in Israel, we never call him you. We say, can I get the Rosh Hashiva some water? It's always third person in respect. In Spanish, when you're talking to a contemporary, a friend, you say two. If you're talking to your parents, it's Usted. We never speak second person with respect, but when it comes to a bracha, the God, what do we call him? You. Hey, you. And the Kabbalists say that the fact that we call God you is chutzpah. It's called nashon chutzpah. Is that we call God you. And so we got to understand this. Why are we calling God you. And the reason is, is because, well, it's going to be a long reason, but here's the main point, is what is the word you, by the way? Like you. Hey, you. Hey, you. Hey, you. Hey, you. Who am I speaking to? Would you like some water? So, you might say you is your body, but are you your body? No, you have a body. Like right now, you can hear this. And that's going into your ears. It's reporting to you from your brain. But you are not. Who's hearing that? Your ears are hearing that. Your neurons are telling you someone's clapping. And your neurons are reporting to who? To you. But you are not in there. Meaning if I put you in an MRI, yeah, would you show up on the screen or would your body show up? It would be your body. Not your consciousness. You can't put the consciousness in an MRI and see anything. In other words, there's no I in MRI. Okay? 
Everyone try that. There's no I in MRI. Say it together just for fun. There's no I in MRI. Okay. <laughs> what do we got? A radiologist here? <laughs> right? No I in MRI. Okay. So what is you, when we call God you, what are we talking about? We're talking about essence. Think about it. Who you are is your essence. Yes, you got a body, but the you is the essence. God has many names. You want to know something? In this bracha that we're learning, it's got the name you, we call him Hashem, we call him Elokeinu, and we call him Melech, King. Guess what the Kabbalists say is the holiest of all those bracha, all those names. Which is the holiest? Atah. Why? Because it's the only name that isn't talking about a description of God. It's the essence. See, I can say you're really smart, or I can say you're really good at sports, or I can say you really know a lot about history. But it's about you. The names are about you. But the essence is indescribable. It's essence. Can anyone ever truly describe anyone in this room in their essence? No. Is there anyone in this room who even understands their essence? Do you realize that if we hooked up two jumper cables up to you, we could power all of Los Angeles from your essence? But are you aware of that essence? Probably not. Probably not. So Atta means essence. And the other thing, so I'm telling you two things about Atah. One is its essence, but now we're going back to the chutzpah. And what is it? Listen carefully. If I lower my ego, if I bring my body down with the knees, baruch, yeah, I bring it down, yeah, baruch, what happens when you lower the body, what comes up? When you lower the body, what comes up? The soul. Everyone say the soul. When you lower the body, what comes up? The soul. the soul. Well, what is that essence that we're talking about? What is your soul that doesn't show up in an MRI? What is that soul? And the answer is, it's a portion, it's a portion of God. Think about it. Everything has a source. Your skin, you know where your skin came from. You know where this wood came from. You know where everything came from. So how could your consciousness, that consciousness you have, how could that, that not be from somewhere? It's got to be from somewhere. Everything's from somewhere. So where's your consciousness from? And the answer is, it's part of God's essence. You have a soul that's part of the essence of the Creator. And you know why you call him you? Tell me, two judges just finished in court, and now they're playing tennis in Brentwood. Does he say, your honor, serve the ball? Does he say that? No, he says, you're served. You serve. Because when you're a contemporary, it's second person, it's you. You see, Baruch, Baruch, is the key to Atah. If you didn't start with Baruch, we have no business calling God you. But once you humble your ego, now you and God one. You're contemporaries. And now you can call God you. But only after you humbled yourself. You humble yourself, now you're in you zone. And you and God share that essence. Because you're made of God. You're me, you're conscious. Soul is made of God. So we're going to practice. It's going to sound like this. And then we'll have both and Atta. Ready? Let's practice Atta. Now, when we do Atta, we're going to think second person. How can I even say Ata without first Baruch? So maybe we'll start with Baruch. And then we'll say Ata. And then Ata means essence. And it is that we are one with it. Okay? That we're one with it. Here we go. Baruch. Ready? Inhale. Baruch. Inhale. Ata 
essence of God and you're calling him you because you're part of that essence. Great. You guys are doing wonderfully. The rest we're going to do a little bit quicker because I actually teach this in Jerusalem. I do one word per hour. No, so I handle it. It's a perfect, you know, six days of class. I'm not kidding. $100 an hour. <laughs> you say $100 an hour? Is there a charge? <laughs> you said $100 an hour. <laughs> Life is so weird. No, I was just in a conversation with my father on the way over. He asked me about something about my classes. And I did the math that it comes out when I teach at Aisha Torah in Jerusalem. That it comes out $100 an hour. It was kind of strange. And that was like our last thing we said before we walked in here. <laughs> and this guy in the baseball cap goes, $100 an hour. And I'm like, yeah. I never thought about that. Okay. Now. Okay, here we go. We're going into Hashem. We're not going to say the Yud and the Hey and the Vav and the Hey. We're not going to say the Adnan word, Ado and Noi. We're not going to say it. We're just going to say Hashem. And let me just tell you something. Anyone, raise your hand if you do some kind of business in L.A. You're involved in some kind of business, sales, administration, anything. Okay, ideas, consulting, or it's, you know, on the floor sales. Okay, Good. Watch this. Ready for this? It's going to freak you guys out. You guys are going to freak out. You guys ready for this? Ready. Here we go. The Yud of God's name represents the idea, which is kind of cool because we got this idea thing on the top of our head that looks like a Yud. The hey of God's name means to flesh out an idea. Hey always represents this dimension in Kabbalah. So the Yud is just that point. For example, like... I feel like dairy. Did you guys eat meat? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so I won't create any great cravings. Oh, maybe I should say something about that. Okay, forget. So, maybe it will create cravings and get you all in trouble. Okay, but I feel like dairy. That's an idea, dairy. It's a flash. But then the hay is the dimension of dairy. Dairy has a lot of dimension. Because what kind of dairy? Do I want yogurt? Do I want ice cream? Do I want a cappuccino? Do I want pizza? Do I want a slice of cheese? Do I want a glass of milk? Do I want... What do I want? That's the dimension. Now, let's go to business. I want to start running executive retreats in the most beautiful places on earth. Boom. Flesh it out. Well, I'd probably wind up hiring someone for the rest. But, but there are personalities that are really good at planning those things. You get what I'm saying? Like, it'd be stupid for me to do that. That'd be a waste of time. I'm going to hire a company that takes executives to the most beautiful places on earth and set up the ultimate experiences for them. And I'll lead it. But should I be doing that? Should I be the hey guy on this or not? Which, should I stick to my yud personality? Because I'm a yud personality. You stick to the yud, right? But I'm going to hire a hay who can flesh out stuff. But the hay guy who's good at fleshing out is probably not, not like the vav guy. Because think about it. What's a yud? A yud's floating up in space. What's a vav? A vav is a yud that gets implemented. It comes down and connects. Vav is the vav of connection. It connects heaven and earth. And I'll tell you this one. I've always had, I don't know how many years now, probably... 15 years I've always had a bug working for it. You know, you want to see something interesting. Most of us in this room, you'll see that if I say, are you more the idea person or are you more an implementer? You'll see it'll be about half and half. Watch this. Raise your hand if you're more on the ideas side of life or raise your hand if you're more on the implement side of life. Here we go. Ready? Raise your hand for ideas side of life. Raise your hand. Raise your hand for implementation personality. You'll see it's always half and half. It's always half and half. I've done this in hundreds of rooms. It's always half and half. Because God wants us to work together. And how many of us Yud personalities, the Yud and the hate personalities, wind up not getting anything done? Raise your hand. <laughs> and how many of us Bob personalities wind up not making enough money? 
But if the Yuds and the Vavs get together, amazing. That's where it should be. Yuds and the Vavs get the Yuds and the Vavs got to be together. Do you know? You ever heard of Vincent Van Gogh, the artist? Sure. You know how much a Van Gogh costs today? <laughs> Hundreds of millions of dollars, something like that. You know when Van Gogh sold his first painting? The last year of his life. Last year of his life. And you want to know something? If he had just been realized that we're here, God created us to work together. He would have been able to pay his bills, but he would have supported an entire family. I spent the last 15 years not only feeding my guys, feeding someone else's kids. And our kids got to eat a lot more because of my vub. And my vub person got to feed their family. Because we work together. So the yud is the idea, Hashem, yud and hey and vav and hey. The yud is the idea, the hey is the flesh out of the idea, something I'm not great at. But I always have someone helping me there. Companies and stuff work with me. The vav is the implementer that I have no choice. I've always had someone doing that. And the final hey is the dimension of the implement. Which would be, you know what a great example? You ever been in an Apple store room? You know, Apple store? You ever been there? You know there's like two friendly people who come up? And you can like talk to them there? They're like shrinks, I think. <laughs> you can, so those are hey personalities. Anyone in sales is a hey, the final hey. They're the final hey. The people in retail sales are going to be those final hey. They're the dimension of the whole thing. <laughs> now, bring it to God. We're going to God here. Yud is God saying, I'm going to create a world. Hey is what kind of world? That's all the stuff we learn in Kabbalah is all that hey of like, how's he going to do this? Vav is God going like, <laughs> creating the world. Now, Vav is a six. That's Chesed, Gibor, Tiferes, Netzach, Ho, You don't have to know that's up. And then the final hey which is called Malchut, the, the kingdom, the kingdom where we live. That's the final thing. Here we are. Look at this, you guys. You guys know where you are right now? You're inside a pop-up book. Can you imagine we're all in a book? And it's kind of a psychedelic thought, but imagine right now, all of Maury's is like, you know, it's not yet in final hay form. It's just above, going down right here where that giant wagon wheel is, or whatever that is. What is that thing? A gear. A gear. Yeah? Are we ready? Are we ready? Take a deep breath. Whoa. Three. Here we are inside our pop-up book. We're in the... This is the final hay. We're inside the final hay of God's name. Remember earlier I said Atah is essence, but names of God are descriptive? Are you starting to get, ladies and gentlemen, how the yud and the hay and the bum and the hay is a verb? A very long verb. But it's a verb. It's idea. It's flesh out idea. It's implementation of worlds. Parallel worlds. The divine. It's called the divine in, you know, Kabbalistic sources. It's called the divine in India or, or you know, uh, native tribes. It's called the divine. You know when you go in those, like, freaked out stores with the incense and the stones and stuff, and they seem to know all kinds of stuff about these worlds? So that's called the divine. Okay, here we go. Inhale. Bo. Inhale. Ato. Contemporaries. Keep going. Contemporaries. Essence of God. His essence. Now we're going to say Hashem. Hashem, Yud and Hey and Vav and Hey. It's pretty cool. And now, Elokeinu. We're going to say K Elokeinu. We're not going to say Heinu just because when we're studying, we say Elokeinu just to change it up a bit. The word Elokeinu is an ethnocentric way of saying Elokeinu. It's just our God. You notice in English, we'll say, or in Sparsi, we'll say, our God, which is a bit ethnocentric because it's our God, but it's also every other person's God. By the way, Rashi, if you go to Shema Yisrael in the Torah, Rashi, right, right there, you click on it, 
takes it to Rashi, another website, and Rashi says, gee, that's a little ethnocentric. Our God. Hashem Elokeinu. Our God. So you know what Rashi says? Rashi says, this is so deep that all of this is one with God, yet you are there and I'm here, which is insanely impossible if we're all one. It's so deep that only the Jews are going to get this for the first part of history, but we're going to go to a messianic era where the whole world will go to movie theaters, watch The Matrix, and realize (laughs) that all of life is just vibrational frequencies. And it's all really one source and one reality. Rashi, a thousand years ago, saw our Torah from 3,000 years ago and had a question about the ethnocentricity of the word Elokeinu, our God. Who says he's our God? He's everybody's God. But Rashi says, yeah, now Jews know this is just a matrix. You know why, why Jews, you know what's great about us knowing that this is an illusion? You know what's amazing about that? Is that the next time you have something like luring you into something, you know, like doing the wrong thing, you'll remember, wait, this is all an illusion. I mean, the next time you're like, really feel like me, and you just finished eating meat, or the next time you're about to do something really stupid that your grandfather would slap you, the next time you're about to do something like that, you'll say, whoa, I thought this world was real, and I almost got stuck. You want to know something? When I teach in New York, you know all the people with the black attitude? In New York, so I teach those guys. You know what I tell them? I say the difference between your grandfather and my grandfather is when your grandfather was pushed to work on Shabbos, on Shabbat, and had to lose his job every single Shabbat, and then Sunday was off in America. So every Monday he had to find a new job, and he lived in poverty because he spent the whole day Monday finding a job. You work the job Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you're already fired in the summertime for leave, and the wintertime for leaving early. And you didn't come on Saturday, forget about it. And they just kept getting a job. I said, the difference between you guys is your grandparents knew this world was an illusion, so they lived getting a new job every week. While my grandfather thought this world was real. And so, he worked on it. That was the difference. And so the beauty of knowing this world is an illusion is that it gives you strength. When the illusion gets really thick, when the illusion gets so thick, they get pulled right into it. Kind of like, uh, any of you see the movie Black Stallion? It's an old epic movie of a kid who like shipwreck and he's on the island with his horse and the horse like kind of saved his life and they became best friends and he lived on the island. Eventually they get brought back to the mainland they got found, and this horse was a giant black stallion. And the black stallion got stolen by horse trainers. The kid woke up one morning, and the horse was gone. And the kid's desperate, and he's just sobbing for his horse. But imagine being in the audience there, and you're like, you say to the person next to you, you're in, meaning you're in the theater, and you say to the person next to you, you're like, Who's going to hold that kid? And, the, and your friend looks at you and goes, you're like, no, I'm serious. Who's going to hold the kid? And your friend's like, shh. And you're like, who's going to hold the kid? And your friend's like, why? And you're like, who's going to hold the kid? And you're like, be quiet. Who's going to hold the kid? And after a while, everyone in the theater are like, shh. And you stand up and you're like, and people are like, oh my god, this person freaking out. <laughs> and after a while, it's like a big commotion. You're like, who's that holding it? And then you finally start running down the theater towards the screen. You're like, who's that holding it? Bam, right into the screen. And you're like, and the house lights come on. This guy yells down from the projection room, what's going on down there? And you're just like, uh, I think I better just go sit down. We're crying in 2D movies. Not a person in this room hasn't cried watching something two-dimensional. 
how are we not going to get sucked into three dimensions? <laughs> in real time. Yud and Hay and Vav and Hay is, is who Hashem is. Elokeinu is that everything God creates, He is. If you make something out of clay, and you make, I don't know, a candelabra or something, what is the candelabra made of, really? And we'll call it a candelabra, what's it made of? Made of clay. Meaning it was just a ball of clay. So what do we call a ball of clay, everybody? Everyone say clay, please. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say my joke. It was just a ball of clay. By the way, what do you call a really well-read liar named Barry? Barry. Liar. Okay, now, please, everyone say... Everyone say clay, okay? You're hold, you, she's holding a ball of clay. What, what would you call it? Clay. clay. She's now made a candelabra out of that clay. What would you call it? Clay. It's still clay. Now it's a candelabra. Hashem, if, he's, if all there was was God, and he's creating the world from all there was, which was God, so then whatever God makes, he is. Like, have you ever thought about, like, is there anything God can't do? So the answer is, yeah, one thing. He can't create a world without being it. Because whatever he makes, he's making it of himself. There is nothing else. Whatever God makes the world out of, he is. And that's called in Hebrew, Elohim. Now, tell me, what's a yud and mem at the end of a word? If it's a ball, it's called kadur. In plural, it's called kadurim. Yelid, boy. Yeladim, boys. What's the yud and mem? Plural. You ever thought about it? We have a plural name of God. Monotheist with a plural name of God. Woo, 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 woo. Here come the cops. Monotheist with a plural name of God. And if you guys ever thought about it, why do we have two names of God in the world? If there's one God, one name. Why do we have to have two names? And the answer is Hashem was, is, will be. Yud to the hay is outside space and time. That's the tortilla. Elokeinu is the rice and beans. <laughs> That's why we have two names of God. Because we have a God beyond creation, but anything God makes, He is. So we have God filling creation. If it's a clay before the candelabra, it's clay. After, it's called the candelabra, but it's clay. Before creation, there's God. God creates creation out of what there was. And it wasn't Home Depot, I can assure you. All it was was God. And so that name is called Elohim. Clear? Okay, now we can practice. Ready? So that's going to be, we're going to say, Elokeinu, with a real long U, Okay. So we start with Baruch. Inhale. Baruch. And that's the knees lowering. Humble. Source of sustenance. Inhale. Ata. Essence of God. But because you're humble, you're like one with Him. Inhale. We're going to say Hashem. Hashem Yud Hey Vav Hey But anything he makes he is Inhale Elohenu Rice and beans Very nice I'm sorry, I had a little moment. <laughs> I forgot where we were. Okay. <laughs> a little momentary uh, lapse of, of uh, subject. Okay, here we go. Melech means king. We have a lot of words for leader in Hebrew. Tons of words for leader in Hebrew. Many, many words. But the one that's called Melech is unique in that it's a relationship. Meaning when there's a Melech, I know you guys probably could never think about this because most of the kings over in, you know, on the other side of Euphrates 
were nightmare despot dictator types, and they still are. But there's something called mele, which is a relationship. Meaning like, let's say you live in some country, and there's a king in that country, and he's, you know, he's known as a good king, and he's known as a good, but you live far from the king, so you never got to know him. But somehow, a lot was cast, and your name is who was chosen. And you get brought in the most gorgeous chariot ever in the world. You get put in it and brought to the king. You get to the king, and the king says, listen, you want it, and you're with our family from now you're going to travel with the royal family. You will eat with the royal family. I'm giving you quarters in our palace. You're going to wear the royal garments. You're with us. But I will never force you to stay. You can leave. you got total free will. You want to leave? Go back to your job as a woodcutter. You want to stay? You're part of the royal family. That's the word melech. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Remember, I was offering, I think, 500 bucks for melech. <laughs> Because we all have an askewed version of king. In fact, being in America, where kings are seen as evil and democracy and Congress and the Senate and like you know, lack of central power. So our concept of king is like way off the word melech, because melech is a king that leaves you free. I mean, think about it. If any of you were king. Now, imagine you were like queen of America or king of America. Would you really hassle anybody? I wouldn't hassle anybody. I'd be like, you guys want to party? Come party. You want to stay home? Be my guest. You know what I'm saying? Like, not every king has to be a, a bonehead. I'd choose my adjective as well. It was going to be him with an A, but... So <laughs> You could be a nice king. Why not? I don't think a person in this room would be a bad king. Seriously. If you were like king of America, I'd be like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what king means. Okay, you got that? So that's melech. Okay, so let's just practice. Uh, we'll just do melech together and then later we'll do the whole thing. Ready? We're going to say melech. Ready? Melech. Now, this time we're going to do melech again, but we're going to close our eyes and imagine the king has offered us, you can stay or you can go. You can do, it's your life. You want to hang with us? It's going to be awesome. I mean, I, we live in Jerusalem. There's my wife, Brooke My lovely wife joined me on this trip. Thank God. And I have the Revitzing. So, I mean, we live in the palace. My, like, we really live in the palace. We're in Yerushalayim. We're in the palace of the king. And you should know, by the way, you guys are holier than we are. If, if we lived in L.A., my wife and I, forget about it. It'd be Hell's Bells. <laughs> Last place we'd be is Maury's Fireplace. <laughs> you just see this lady dance. Now... <laughs> <laughs> It's cute and sweet that we're all, you know, you know, Hava, Nagila, Hava. <laughs> we live in Jerusalem. <laughs> what else are you going to do over there? <laughs> you should know in Jerusalem, everything's quality. It's not quantity. You're, you're going to do everything. So the question is just, how did you do it? How was it? Well, of course you're going to prayers. The question is, how was it? Of course you're going to learn. The question is, where'd you go with the learning? How are you growing in the learning? Here, it's a question of just building that strength. Like, I'm going to learn tonight. I'm going to a class. I'm going to pray this Shabbat. You know, it takes muscle. And I, we don't have that kind of muscle. Now, here we go. Next is Ha'olam. What does the word Olam mean? World. What does the word Olam mean? No, no, we did that one. It's got many meanings. What does the word Olam mean? Hidden, excellent. Olam means hidden. Literally the same exact root of the word world. Olam is the word hidden. And you know what else? Lo olam va'ed. What is lo olam? Forever. 
which is pretty interesting because worlds are finite. So what is Judaism doing with a word that's world and forever? Make up your mind. Is it finite or infinite? And if the word means hidden, think about it, guys. If everything's ultimately made of God, but yet we're in this room in Morty's fireplace right now, so guess who's hidden? The king. Ah, the king who offered you. Who offered you <laughs> was humble enough to pull out of it and hide so you wouldn't feel forced. That's pretty sweet. What kind of king pulls back a bit to give you a sense that you exist with free will to come close and go far? It's the hidden king. Interestingly, about 200 years ago, when the world of science started saying, hey, we can, we can understand this place. We don't need God for our answers. We got science. Meanwhile, the Jews were like, we cut to the chase. We got a word for world and a word for hidden. The very word world, which science loves to understand in all its detail, is the word hidden. So, like, bravo that you got to understand the details of the world, Mr. Scientist. All it's showing you, when you understand, for example, astrology, and how those stars are like clockwork, and now we know that clockwork. All that means is the more science you know, the more you understand his majesty. And meanwhile, his majesty has taken a little step out so that you can choose or not choose how much you want the relationship. You can live far, you can live in the palace, you can live close by. And that's Melech HaOlam. And that's a king who's pulled back So that you can be inside, think about it, whatever God makes he is. That was Elokeinu. Elokeinu is, whatever he makes, he is. That's Elokeinu. But then perfectly hides himself so that he can be the hidden king. And we've done it now. we got the whole meditation. Yeah, question. Why is Olam, uh, why is it mean forever? Why what? Why does the world mean forever? Let's begin. Inhale. <laughs> this class has to has a limit how long we're going to be going with it. Meaning we, we're at that limit. So that question was everything we did plus another hour or two. Okay? It was an awesome question. Here we go. Everyone inhale. He's the source, Brecha source. Inhale. Ata essence, contemporaries with your soul, you are one. Inhale. Hashem Yud He's filling. Elokeinu, Elokim, Shalanu, filling all plurality and multiplicity is him. Inhale. Mele, the king of the universe, but giving you choice. How? Inhale. How do you have choice? Ha'ola.
inhale from bubble Baruch, humble source of sustenance inhale Ata, essence beyond all description you're one with him inhale Hashem Yud is the idea. Hey is fleshing out that idea. The Vav is the implementation of the idea. And of Hey is the dimension of it all. 3D. Inhale. Not just surrounding, but filling. Eloi Keinu. Filling all of creation. Inhale. He's totally running the show. Therefore, he is the Inhale, it's giving you space, pull him back a little. Open your eyes if they were closed. I'm not saying y'all gonna do this all the time now. Meaning, imagine you're like at your parents' house, the Shabbat, and it's like hamotzi, and of course you're the one who's going to make it, and or maybe they're going to make it, but you're like, can you pass that challah over here? I'm going to be making it this week. <laughs> <laughs> you grab those challahs and you're just like, start with the and you're just like, boom. <laughs> 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 I would be like. Yeah, what's with Bozo? <laughs> what happened to that guy? So, I'll tell you the truth. That when I do these kinds of brachas, I'm usually by myself. It's usually over smells. And, and it's usually after some prep to get into it. And, and that's when I'll be saying those kind of brachas. Also, Shabbat night, Kiddush, I'll probably go there. And Hamotzi, I'll probably go there as well. It's not something you have to be doing all the time, but think how different that is than what we do. Think how different that is than what you do when you make a bracha. You hear what I'm saying? This is a different universe. Totally different universe than what you've been doing. And not just you, everyone. I mean, I go to chuppah, chuppah, you know chuppah, for a wedding, which I bless you all to be under, who are single. I go to chuppah, sometimes big rabbis are like saying, they're like, like suddenly they're having this gigantic Kabbalistic insight about the word melech. I'm kidding. Just sounds good when you make a bracha. You know what I'm saying? Everyone does it. It's fine. But I'll tell you one more thing. If you do your bracha slow, you can later make it a zip file. You understand? Like, I can actually say my, everything we just learned, I can do it if I say a bracha like this, like, even when I said my water over there, I was hitting it. So it can become a zip file. You gotta slow it all down for a while, at least once a day maybe, or, you know, whenever you make a bracha, like, Slow it all down. And then uh, after a while, you can go up to regular pace. But it does require some concentration. You, know, you can go slow and be thinking about the stock market. That's not going to help either. It's got to be slow with concentration or even speed it up once you've got it wired. And you can nail it. Um, I just want to mention that I appreciate you all very much and that you came out. Um, also, especially because... I had no intention to speak at all in Los Angeles. I grew up here, and I came to see my family. But I decided to send one email. I, by the way, I decided not to. And then I said, I'll send one, and we'll see if it gets traction. I send one email to Rabbi Jacobs. And he said, why don't you come Wednesday night? And I said, Okay. And then I got an email a little later saying, why don't you come Tuesday night as well? And I said, okay. <laughs> and 
So I just want to, I appreciate y'all coming out and uh, spending some time with me. And uh, I bless you all to uh, be on the other side of this whole exile thing. We should all be in Jerusalem. And you may be thinking this place is the land of opportunity compared to moving to Israel. But obviously, if we all lived in Israel, the only reason this place is the land of opportunity is because Jews were living here for the last period. (laughs) So imagine all the Jews just stopped saying what they say and just get over there. And we'd, we'd be like, we'd be on fire. I mean, so I bless us all to be on that side of things. And, uh, and also, when you guys visit, please really visit. Come here, our classes. I'm on live every day, but it's too early in the morning for L.A., but it stays online all day. Uh, it's Rabbi Yom Tov um, on Facebook. It's also on Tor Anytime, Tor Anytime every day, but Facebook every day. You can check in. I'm always saying crazy stuff because these days, if you want... Anyone will listen to you. You got to say the most off the wall stuff that, like, you're just wondering if they're gonna take away your bar. So, shalom, everyone. It was a pleasure. I love you guys, and keep up the good work. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.